At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. You're listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Get the knowledge you need to advance your mortgage practice quickly and efficiently from Jen Duplessis. America's Mortgage Mastery Mentor with over 37 years of experience and over $1 billion in lifetime fundings. Jen has been mentoring loan officers and realtors for over 15 years and speaking on stages across the globe. So settle in and get ready as Jen and her guests share their experience, passion, and strategies to help you crack the top producer code to reach new heights in your business. And now, here's your host, Jen Duplessis. Mortgage Mastery Mentor and Head Chicken Charge of Kinetic Spark Consulting. All right, welcome back to this episode of Mortgage Lending Mastery. My guest today is Luke Andrews, who is a real estate entrepreneur who sells, leads, and invests. And we're going to talk very specifically about all of that. He is a best-selling author. We're going to talk about your book, too, Luke, um, who has purchased 40 rental properties before turning 40 and has a passion for trying to change lives throughout a real estate or through real estate. And that said, we want to welcome you to the show, Luke. Thank you so much for joining us. I love it, Jen. Really appreciate you having me on. I'm excited. Awesome. Well, listen, um, so we just discovered that uh, the reason that we know each other is because we both spoke on a real estate summit. And um, so that was exciting. I know it was a whirlwind for me. It probably was for you because she had so many um, speakers on that thing. Mm -hmm. But um, and hopefully we can find a link to your I'll, I'll reach out to her and see if we can't find a link to your presentation at that event as well. So we can put that here in the show notes. But I want to get started with, you know, I love the um it's really 40 by 40, right? That That's a mm -hmm. very interesting concept. I, I love hearing about that. But I want to talk first, and we will talk about that, but I want to talk first about what's happening right now in your practice, because in the green room, we just you just gave me a debrief. So give everyone else a debrief on that, on, on where you're from and you know what your practice looks like right now as a real estate agent. Sure. So I am located in Louisville, Kentucky. And my team services the Kentucky market as well as Southern Indiana. Um, but I am a real estate agent. Um, I do do have my license. I do some production. Uh, but I also lead a team of 21 agents. Uh, so that's where a great deal of my time is spent kind of mentoring, leading, growing, uh, which is actually that that's really where where my passion lies there. Um, but I also have, you know, as you mentioned, the investment side of my business and then a, a small education side as well with some books and courses and things like that. But it... Uh, like I said, it's really all about helping younger people in the business kind of grow, succeed, and uh, and ultimately thrive. Yeah, it sounds good. So you, um, you know, managing or because we are, we're leading, right? But it is managing too. Oh, yeah. Managing and leading uh, 21 real estate agents. And you you mentioned that, you know, young people moving up in the in the industry. Do you have seasoned veterans on your team or is it just consistent of entirely... Um, younger people? 
You know, our team is is very young, mm-hmm. relatively speaking. I mean, I, th- I think the average realtor in the nation is 56 years old right now. And the average agent on my team is probably 29 to 30. Wow. Great. With a lot of them being within their first really kind of two, two to three years in the business on the longer tenured side, we've got some that are, you know, five and six years. Um, but a lot of them have, have had a great deal of success very quickly. Um, you know, I've got multiple agents on my team, something I'm very, very proud of, who we've been able to bring up into $200,000 in GCI in their first full year in the business in a market where our average price point is below 250000 Right. Um, and and we have interest rates climbing and inflation oh yeah. and all that stuff. <laughs> and yeah. Limited marketing. Yeah. So, all right. So what, why did you choose to go in that direction as opposed to, um, you know, wanting to lead more veteran um, agents? What, what was the purpose behind that? You know, you, I, I don't know necessarily that it was a, it was a conscious choice, but that's kind of how we started recruiting on, on the early side. Mm-hmm. That's who happened to, to be drawn to us. And then just so over time, we've created almost by accident an avatar, um, and like I said, I found a lot of a lot of fulfillment and passion within bringing the younger, less experienced agents into the business. And you know, we we firmly believe on our team. I've I've got a business partner and a counterpart, and we firmly believe that we are the the best place in our market to come in and learn. And then, yeah. so if you know, we're going to provide the the absolute best opportunities that are that are out there, and we just. Because it just so happens that we found a lot of people who were trying to break into the business. And we've been somewhat selective, but at the same time, we've also taken some really good flyers on on folks. And so we've given some people some good opportunities to come in where, you know, they they may have struggled in other places, not having the resources that we're able to provide. Right. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about the onboarding process. You know, um, you mentioned in the green room, we were talking about, you know, getting this success early on. And that's, that's really key, right? And especially if you're bringing, and I know, I know plenty of real estate agents that range, you know, in age, but are low in tenure, right? So they range in age and, you know, watch them struggle, try to help them as much as, you know, you can as a, as a loan officer, um, what what is it about your onboarding process that that makes it different? I know you said education, so I'm going to let you just answer this question. But tell us, walk us through your onboarding process because it's obviously working. Well, it, let me tell you. I'll, I'll start by telling you what didn't work and kind of <laughs> how the iterations that we've yes, we've <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, we started with a very very loose onboarding. We didn't have a lot of guidelines. We were just kind of bringing agents on as as we saw fit and realized that we needed to put some structure around it. And so we thought, okay, well, let's look at our very best agents. Let's figure out, you know, what does their disc profile look like? What does their avatar look like? And let's recruit to that and be very very rigid. In, in what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And we realized we were missing on a lot of really great people. Um, but we were, so we we expanded that out a little bit, but we didn't change the onboarding process. It was all, you know, at 30 days, you need to be at point A. And at 90 days, you need to be at point B and, you know, so on and so forth. And it just, it, it put a lot of people into boxes. And we started to realize that not everyone has the same goals to go out and do 50, 60, 70 transactions a year, that there are some that can be very successful doing 12, 15, 20 transactions. Right. right. Well, and especially Uh, with disc profiles, right? Everyone has drivers. Yeah. 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 And so we, we then 
opened it back up and again, found ourselves in a spot where it's like, okay, now that the team is larger and we're trying to onboard five, six, seven people at a time and everybody is in different different places or directions, we just didn't have a good handle on it. And so really what, what we've done at this point is we've kind of created four to five really kind of paths for different agents. And then so we can we can kind of fill people. We don't necessarily have to put them into a box, right. um, but it also, you know, it doesn't have to be a one size fits all, but it's also not a every man for himself kind of thing. Yeah. So we kind of help put them in paths to understand like, okay, at 30 days, you should roughly be at this spot at 60 days. You should roughly be at this spot based upon the path that you're on. And it's, we've also helped a lot of agents thrive. We've leaned into the fact because when you're training these new agents, the fear is, is that you get them so good that when they're finally profitable and they're not taking up all your time with questions, that they're gone, they're off on their yeah, own. Out the door. Yeah. So we were doing everything we could to, to hold on to them and try to prevent that. But when we let that go a little bit and really just kind of opened up the books and said, what do you want to do in this business? Do you want to go run your own team? Do you want to be a broker? Do you want to be just a top producing solo agent? Do you want to be leadership on our team? And then really help them build a plan specifically towards that. The agents were significantly happier. The culture was significantly better. And oh, by the way, our retention actually went up. Up, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. People, but they could feel that we actually cared about them. And that we were And that when we ran the numbers for them, when they were thinking about going out on their own, that they could actually trust that the numbers we're giving them are true to say, okay, based upon your production this past year, if you went out on your own and you changed your split, um, this is what you would have actually made. And some of them realize that it's roughly a break even. And it doesn't yeah. make any sense to lose all the resources and the leads and the mentorship. Yeah. And yeah. then some well, of them realize yeah. I had one that said, I would have made 10,000 more dollars, but it wasn't worth the headache, the risk and the hassle for 10,000 yeah. extra bucks. Yeah. And, and the rebuild, right. And the rebranding yeah. and, and all of those parts too. Yeah. And I, I think that a lot of people, I mean, that we experienced that in the mortgage business too, you know, is that they go out on their own, but they forgot that they have licensing and reporting. And all of a sudden they move from the position that they were in of being a CEO into a COO and they don't have as much production. And sure. even though, you know, and we used to say, you know, um, um, a hundred percent of zero is a hundred a hundred whatever we said zero percent zero percent of a hundred you know a hundred percent commission if you don't have any business it doesn't matter it doesn't exactly. just doesn't matter and um yeah and that and that can be a struggle what do you what do you attribute um the one thing you know if you could say there's one thing that that makes uh the realtors that are coming to you successful particularly in this market and you know, with them being new against, you know, more seasoned people, what's that one thing that gets them over the hump? Uh, you know, outside of providing high quality leads, because I think that's that's kind of a given. I mean, for us, we are training them on how to have difficult conversations. Yeah. You know, we don't have to train them on every specific situation that's out there. But if we just train them on how to look inside and to give them the confidence to have the difficult conversations, it one, it, it puts them ahead of everybody else that's out there. I mean, 95% of people are afraid of confrontation. So if Mm -hmm. you just lean into that and we find a way to make you comfortable doing that, it's going to put you in the lead the majority of the time. But asking those difficult conversations on the front side, I mean, you know this from lending. If 
if you're not asking those those convers or asking those questions, mm -hmm. that as we get towards the end and everybody's actually likely moving towards closing, all of a sudden something's going to pop up that should have been caught early on. Right. And so right. we're we're just trying to do that, and it's allowing our agents to be more successful, and it's allowing them to get more and more deals under contract. So you mentioned earlier that you know a lot of agents who range in age, but also in levels of experience. You know, we like to say that experience in this business, it's not measured in years, it's measured in transactions. Yeah. Uh, just because 365 days passes doesn't mean that you learned yeah. anything at, at all. We right. are learning because we're out there in the trenches and we're actually out closing deals. So if the average agent in my market is only closing six deals a year and you did 24 in your first year, I'd venture to say that you've got, you've got four years of experience on the average agent. <laughs> yes, right. And so right. It just, it, it's just the, the way that it is. Yeah. And so we try to get them up and running faster. And a lot of it is just about building that confidence. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so in lending, I call it the 10-1 loan officer, right? You've been in the year, the business 10 years, at a, 10 years, one year at a time with no growth. Right. Okay. And so you really haven't been in the business for 10 years. You've been in for one. And we see this a lot. Right. You see a lot of real estate agents, um, loan officers, you know, that have been in the business for 20, 30 years and are still only doing two deals a month. If it's a loan officer and five deals a year, if it's a real estate agent. And, you know, that that's the sign right there, you know, of that. So so when you're talking about. Uh, you know, educating people on having these difficult conversations. I'm, I just want to get some clarity on it. One of the things I've told my um, coaching students, I used to tell my loan officers is slow down so you can speed up instead of speeding up to slow down because you miss things, right? So I'm hearing this from you, but I'm wondering if it's a speed thing or if it's a quality. And I, I, I get the sense that it's quality. So would you mind sharing with us just a little bit about, you know, because we have loan officers and realtors listening. Um, you know, what is it that in that difficult conversation that you're suggesting in the front that is being taught to them? So I, I think for us, again, it kind of goes back to that to that confidence piece of it and establishing assertiveness and domination over the conversation and domination over the, the situation. Um, and so we try to debunk that myth that, you know, First and foremost, confrontation is not the same as conflict. It doesn't have to be a battle. It doesn't have to be a war just because you're confronting something. Mm -hmm. um, and then two, that dominating and controlling a conversation in a situation is not the same as dominating and controlling another person. Right. Um, but we go through, I, I tried to really kind of create just a, a very simple mnemonic device for them. I call it the three Ps. And very simply, it's, you know, number one, just kind of being prepared so you're practicing some of your talking points that are through there. You know your market well. Um, number two is your posture. You know, tell them whether you're on the phone or face-to-face, -face, just standing up straighter and looking someone in the eye um, just establishes a level of credibility and confidence that kind of puts you in control and in, a, and in an authority position. Um, and number three is project, um, meaning that I'm asking them to speak just a little bit louder than they feel like they need to. Um, so what that does is, you know, we have a tendency when we're nervous to mumble and not realize that we're doing it, speaking yes. very softly. Mm -hmm. um, we have a tendency for our voice to crack. Um, and then we have a tendency to speak very fast. And so when you're speaking a little bit louder than you need to, um, one, you're not going to be mumbling or speaking soft. It's going to power through any potential cracks. 
and it's going to force you to slow down as you're going through that process. And I, again, I, I liken it to, I, I tell every one of my agents, I was like, go back to seventh grade when you had to give a presentation in front of the class mm-hmm. and think about that one kid that was in class that was up there and they were just so quiet. You couldn't hear them. Their voice was cracking. They were looking down. They were fidgety. Um, it, it doesn't really matter how good the information was. They lost all credibility in that moment. Um, yeah, so don't be that person. And these are easy ways to snap yourself back into the moment and to put yourself back in control. Yeah. We don't have to go through every single situation that you might encounter. If you just know the three P's, you can handle anything that happens to come up. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's wonderful. Yeah. It's sort of, it's sort of leaning into the relationship, leaning into the situation. Um, yeah. I think that's, that's really powerful. I, it's being the leader in the situation as well is take the lead, you know, it's like, take the, take the lead in that situation. Yeah. I think that's great. So why, why uh, tell us a little bit about your path as a real estate agent um, and why you decided that you wanted to do leading and building a massive team as opposed to, um, you know, just being out there work, working. And, And the reason why I'm asking this question is because I, I speak very specifically to, not working in and on your business, but rather focusing on working above and beyond your business. Mm -hmm. So you took that to heart, right? You said, okay, I don't want to work in or on. I want to start working above and beyond. So, so why did you do that? You know, and then what was, what were some of the skills that you had that allowed you to build a team? Because sometimes this is what keeps a lid on people's businesses. They don't have the leadership skills to do this. Sure. So for me, it was all about, scale and impact. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I knew that I could kill myself and do a hundred deals a year oh, um, wow. or I could find five people who were just yeah. 20% as good as I was, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, I could find, um, what is it? I could find 20 people who were, uh, yeah, five, 5% as good as I was. And yeah. I, I could I could do that that same thing. Right. Um, and if my goal is to actually go out and to to impact the world through through real estate, I need to be able to touch more people. And I need more folks underneath me that can go out and, and they can do that. And then it also it buys back some of my time. Do I spend oh, a, a, a lot of it a lot of time on on my phone um, talking to agents, deal doctoring, helping them through specific situations? Yes. Um, but I can do that from anywhere. Yeah, I can, I can do that from home. I don't have to be client facing. Now, do I still love to be client facing? Absolutely. I do. Yeah. Do I feel it's necessary to make sure that I'm still relevant date on the latest trends? Relevant is a, is a Mm -hmm. perfect word for that. Yeah. Um, Yes, I do, but I can scale back on that and it allows me to do more with my family. Um, More of the things that I'm truly passionate about, you know, my, my what and my why that I'm, I'm working towards on the backside. Um, but again, it, it's all about kind of scale and, and impact for me because uh, how do I get out and how do I get in front of more people? Because I think this industry has a really low barrier to entry. Yes. So there's a lot of bad agents that are out there. And the more that I can teach how to do this the right way, um, the more homeowners and home purchasers that are going to be impacted in a positive way based yeah. upon those that I've touched. Yeah. And it's not just those that I've touched. It's who are then they turning around and touching? Right, I've heard right. it called spiritual grandchildren. A pastor <laughs> mentioned that a, a while back and he was like, it's not just who I'm preaching to, it's who are they preaching to? Right. It's kind right. of that that same piece of it. And you know, 
how do I get, how do I get my message out wider? Well, you know, this is one way of doing that. Right. So the culture that you built then, um, it, tell me a little bit about the culture then. If I, you know, if someone, if I ran across somebody who's on your team or, you know, there was someone who came onto your team, what kind of culture have you created um, so that uh, they're speaking your voice and, and maybe they aren't, maybe they're independent under you. Uh, mm-hmm. Maybe you can speak to that as well, but, but what does that culture look like? So the culture for us is very, very fun and collaborative. And it's something that we have, we, we take a lot of pride in, you know, we, we have a good time, but we are also extremely hard workers. Um, We don't look like your typical agents. The majority of us aren't, you know, I've got one or two that do want to wear a suit on a regular basis. Um, A lot of them are, I mean, to be honest, they're hoodies and jeans, Um, but they're going out and they're absolutely crushing it and taking down these you know, listings that are, you know, 4X the average price point in the market and they're outselling the average agent by by 5X in the market, but they're they're doing it differently. We have opened up, we're very, very clear that there are multiple ways to do this business, that it's not just, hey, here is one road, one recipe for success, that there are multiple different ways to do it. We just have to get you to find your own voice. So you talked about how they're using my voice. Mm-hmm. This is more about me helping them find their voice. Oh, great. I empower yeah. them to go yeah. out and do that. Um, and again, it goes back to the very beginning of they can tell that I I do truly care about them. I care about their families. I care about their businesses. And I care about their, their future goals and visions. And as long as our values are aligned, um, I, I'm out there. I'm never going to hold an agent back. I want to go out. I want to build the business that you want. I don't yeah. want to build a business for you that I want for you. I want to build a business for you that you want for yourself. Um, and I'm also very clear in the very beginning too, that I will help you with anything that you ever need. I will help you do anything that you need in this business, but you are going to have to ask for it. You know, mm-hmm. part of it is the exercise of asking, but part of it is also the way that we do things with our training and not everybody is in the exact same boat at the exact same time. We don't always know exactly where you're struggling. Yeah. Um, so if you ask, we can help you, but I, I can't be the one pushing here. I'm not going to drag you across the finish line. You are going to have to step up and you're going to have to do this for yourself. And, you know, everybody is clear on that during the interview process, through the onboarding process, everybody's gung ho about it. Um, but once they actually get in there and start practicing it, they realize it's not for them and Hey, there's no hard feelings. This probably isn't the right spot for you. Yeah, yeah, that happens too. So what what was your background and that allowed you to, you know, become a good leader? Because not everyone can be a good leader. And you know, there's they try, they hire one person and then they ping, they finger point at them and say they they were terrible instead of I wasn't prepared. So mm-hmm. what did you bring to the table that allowed for you to um you know, to um, have that, have the leadership skills that you needed. And the second part of that question is, what are some of the struggles that you had as you went through that process of hiring your first and then your second and your third and and then retracted and then went forward again? Um, tell us a little bit about that process. Sure. So for me, my, my leadership started when I was, uh, when I was younger, um, you know, it was, it was playing sports throughout high school and and into college. Um, so I, I was a soccer goalie 
And, you know, that's one of those where I've got the best vision on the field because I can see everything. And so I got very used to telling people exactly where to go, what to do. (laughs) I got comfortable in that role very early because I kind of had to be. Um, And then I was able to transition that, that even in in jobs coming out of college and, and getting started, if I didn't have a formal leadership role, I would find ways to to informally lead. Um, yeah. I was just finding areas where I could provide value and finding, you know, and a lot of it was just like, hey, we've got a new employee coming. I was the first to volunteer to kind of show them the ropes from, yeah. from our side. Um, and so that that really built up uh, some some great skill sets through there. Um, I, I did some sales jobs and then really I moved into strategic marketing and data analytics. So I was in, I was in the corporate world, but I actually, I was in a spot where I was looking for leadership in the corporate world and there weren't any leadership positions that, that were coming. Um, in fact, they were actually contracting some of those, um, but I went through and I built a plan and a proposal for, Hey, I want you to let me build this team. Um, and I think it can benefit with A, B, C, and D. And it took a long time to get that up and running, but we eventually did that. And so I was able to start that team from the ground up. Um, and so I was able to translate those skills as I moved into the real estate side. Um, now, as far as the the challenges that you're asking about, I mean, there there's new challenges every day. I mean, yeah. I've, I've been in the leadership side now for, for five years in the real estate space, and there are still challenges that we come up with because we're constantly A-B testing and figuring out like, hey, we don't have it all figured out. Have we built a better mousetrap than everybody else? Yeah, I think so. But that doesn't mean that it is a perfect mousetrap. Right. Know, we're going through and we're constantly changing and figuring out things that do work, things that don't work, and how do, how do we put all that together? I mean, I, I think for us, the biggest challenges along the way were not having a, a good process. If I would have, right. knowing now what what I wish I would have known then, I would have built the infrastructure before I built the team. Yes. Um, yeah. And so having that infrastructure in place, now you can't build it up too big because you don't know exactly where it's going to go. But, you know, we really just, we kind of flew by the seat of our pants, which is which is great. And we made it work because we're hustlers, but- you know, we didn't always have the right infrastructure in place and there were some growing pains and it caused some issues with some of the agents that were out there. And we probably lost a couple of good people. Yeah. However, um, you know, we have lived, we have learned, we've built that infrastructure and now we've got an infrastructure in place that could sustain us if we were to grow by 50% tomorrow. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, which I'm sure you, you tested during, you know, the first year of COVID when everybody was doing, you know, had their best years ever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's interesting that you said that about process. It's a big piece of what, what I coach on for people, you know, as part of the scaling is, is having that process in place because um, that that's a preventer as well. As soon as you start scaling, you don't have all the systems in place. Everything's in your head. You can't hire people. You know, I'm, I'm sure that that, you know, was part of it as it is for everybody. And I, and I think this is what makes your team um, so attractive to potential, you know, people is that you really have a plug and play system and you've bent time, right? We can bend time for your success because you don't have to build the process. We already have it in place. You just have to learn the process as you go. Um, so now are you an independent uh, real estate office? 
Uh, no, we're actually under the Remax franchise. Under Remax. Okay. I was just curious if you were part of a bigger brand or if you were just your, you know, your own brand in there. And of course, and I get that because, you know, no matter who I worked for, it was always my team name mm-hmm. that led everything, you know? Um, so, so, uh, oh, and I wanted to ask you another thing. You said something about sports and I've, I've interviewed, you know, thousands of people. And uh, I was curious to see if one of the prerequisites is someone having sports experience, because I do know of a loan officer that only hires people that were athletes because there's a mentality behind that. And I was an athlete too. I get it. That mentality of you don't have all the time in the world, So you have to study and you have to practice and you have to study and you have to practice. And it just seems that they're much more driven or drawn to success. Um, What are your thoughts about that? And has that been part of your practice or did you stumble into that? No, I mean, we, those were definitely qualities that we were looking for in the beginning, Mm -hmm. but we haven't um, shied away from people who, who weren't there. Um, But I mean, it's, we have had many, many of our agents were, were former college athletes. Yeah. Um, But I, to be honest, one of the areas where we're seeing a ton of success right now are with former teachers. Yeah. Well, because they're educators and that's what everybody needs right now is education. It's the number one thing I've been telling, you know, my students is people need education. They need your perspective of what they're hearing in the marketplace and that's where it comes from. So and they can um, usually control a room in a situation. Yeah. They have the ability to distill down complex information to make it very simple mm-hmm. um, and can kind of adapt to that to different learning styles. And you know, they're they're comfortable getting up and talking in front of people. Yeah. Um, we have had a ton of success with former teachers. Yeah, that's great. And they and they're good with conflict resolution as well. Yeah. They, they totally are. I mean, they may need needs a little few things here. Okay, so let's switch gears as we, you know, kind of get get towards the end of our time together. Let's switch gears a little bit and tell us about your perspective of what's going on in the market right now. And, you know, for those realtors that are listening and loan officers that are listening and want to be able to help their real estate agents, give us some advice or some counsel on what you think would be great to keep the momentum going in today's market. So for us, I mean, we're we're just going out. We are we are very open to all types of leads. Um, you know, I, I think the market, there has been what, from talking to agents, not just on our team or potentials coming to our team, but just agents out in the market in general, and then across the country, there is this reluctance for um, the referral fee-based leads, which are really becoming more and more prevalent. Zillow Flex was kind of the, the first big one. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people that have a lot of strong feelings about Zillow, and I'm not here to, to you know, yeah. really go go one way or the other on that. But I'll tell you, right after we started the, the Zillow Flex program, I had an agent on my team who said, man, I'm just, this this referral fee, I I, I can't he was like, I, I can't. And he's sitting there, he's doing the math in his head. He's got a $400,000 Zillow flex lead. Now at that time we were about a $220,000 average price point. He's got this $400,000 Zillow flex lead and he's calculating the 35% in his head. And he was like, this is just not, doesn't work. And I said, okay. I was like, forget about that one. I got this $260,000 buyer over here, no referral fee attached to it. And he <laughs> said, oh man, that's fantastic. Give me, give me those all day long. I'll take as many of those as I can get. And I said, that's, that's perfectly fine. I said, but let's just look at something real quick. 
I said, if you take that $400,000 buyer with a 35% referral fee and the $260,000 buyer without a referral fee, the commission is exactly the same. Mm -hmm. However, the two key differences are one, when they go to sell in three, five, seven years, instead of selling 400 and buying seven, they're selling 260 and buying four. Nothing wrong with that. However, I'd rather have the four going to a seven. And second, if we are the amalgam of the five people that we spend the majority of our time with, $400,000 $400,000 buyers hang out with $400,000 buyers. Absolutely. 60s hang out with 260s. <laughs> yeah. That's where your referrals are coming from. Yeah. So you're being unbelievably short-sighted. And I told him, I was like, you're doing the math. You're just doing the wrong math. Yeah. And it's, it's today's math. Yeah. It's yeah. today's math. It's not that the, the future annuity income that you're building for yourself. And even that, if he would have done today's, if he just would have done the full today's math, would have realized it's exactly the same. Yeah. It's exactly the same. It's the future is is yeah. where you're missing out on these exponential yeah. gains. Yeah, that that annuity that's out there. So so you all are doing a lot of online leads then, working those leads. Um, and, and what are you seeing as far as those types of leads coming in now with today's interest rate environment and you know, there was a there was a period of time, you know, first it was shock and awe, you know, that oh my God, rates are going up. Um, then it was a settling down, you know, I guess they're going to be here. And if I want to move and I don't like my house or I need to change my job or we're having a baby or I'm downsizing or right sizing, I guess I'm going to have to go do it. Um, and I, and so where is your temperament uh, or uh, not your temperament, but your feeling on that right now, where do you think that that's oscillating right now is are buyers coming out of the woodwork for spring? Are they staying back? Are sellers wanting to sell? What are you seeing? Is there a higher, bigger, a bigger amount of uh, volume coming through Zillow at this point? So we're actually, we haven't seen much of a slowdown throughout the process because in that that initial, like you said, there was that shock of the rates going up. Buyers really started to pull back. Um, we really leaned into our investor crew. Um, so right. we've, we've done a good job working with investors over the years. And so we leaned into them and we're like, hey, you've been kind of forced out of this market over the last couple of years. Yes. Now is your time to just to attack. Yeah. And so we had that. And then as buyers really started to realize like, hey, these rates may be around here for a while. Do I stick around? Do I not stick around? What, what am I looking at? We've leaned into the economics conversation of supply and demand. Yeah. And just like, hey, our supply is still very, very limited. Demand is still relatively high. I don't see any anything coming in the near future that is going to change either, either one of those. So if we know that prices are going to continue to rise over the next 6, 12, 24, 36 months, um, why not go ahead and get in now? You've got an opportunity to refinance down the road. The only difference is, is you get to take advantage of that appreciation as you're going through. You can yeah. upgrade now less expensively than you can in 36 months. Yeah. So let's kind of lean into that conversation. And if at the end of the day, it doesn't work for you, it doesn't. Yeah. You're never going to push somebody outside their comfort zone. Um, but at the same time, we're going to make sure that they have all the facts because what I don't want to have happen is in 36 months, the rates are still the same. And they look at me and say, Hey, why didn't you push me into buying that house? Right. Uh, right. You know, I could have bought it for 350 and now I got to pay five. Yeah. And you probably hear this from a lot of lenders too. They're saying date the rate right? Marry the, marry the home. And mm-hmm. someone added another part to that, that I can't remember right now, but they're saying, you know, yeah, look, it's just, I'm sorry, what? Divorce the rent, date the rate, <laughs> right? Wow. Date the rate and marry the house. And, you know, and I think that, that that is part of the education that consumers need to understand, you know, that, co- that cost of waiting, but herein lies the issue. And so I want to see how you're addressing this with on the listing sure. side of things is that, Yes, we can educate buyers to want to pull the trigger, get approved, 
And then they can't look at anything because nothing's on the market. So how do you be the straw that stirs the market to bring more listings in? Because I know as a seller myself, you know, in, in the position I'm in where I'm saying, okay, I want to sell my house, but where do I go? Yeah. Where do I go? You know, and there's no, uh, you know, um, rent, rent back that allows for me to stay in my home while someone else buys it. <laughs> we're, we're doing a couple of different things. I mean, one, we are, we're doing our very, and essentially kind of flipping that conversation. Like, Hey, that's why we're having more and more of these conversations with people like you is to bring more inventory to the market. Yeah. Um, we're working very closely with um, some good quality builders that we know and bringing them into the, into the conversation earlier. Um, and then just, just letting people know like, Hey, we, there's all kinds of different options. Let's test the market and and see where we are. And again, if at the end of the day, if it doesn't make sense for you, it doesn't make sense. Um, I'm not going to be able to, to magically just throw out all kinds of inventory that's out there and just magically solve this problem overnight. Um, so the best that we can do is just try to work with it through the ones and let the, you know, we do some reverse contingencies um, mm -hmm. where, you know, the, the seller has an option where their contingency, this it's contingent on me selling if if I find something else that I can turn around and buy. Um, so we're we're trying to get just a little bit creative through through that piece of it, but it's most of the sellers that we have are people that really need to sell, um, and then we're focusing a lot on the on the, on the downsizing market. Those yeah. who are kind of yeah. fifty five to sixty five looking, yeah. you know, they've been in the same two story house for forever. Um, they've got so much equity in the property that you know the they're not as rate sensitive when they go to buy. And then, you know, the, the amount that they get, they're able to make a few more concessions in that, yeah. in that instance. And so trying to create some additional, um, additional inventory that way, but it, it's really, it takes a lot of different pieces. Yeah. It's not one path now, you know, I mean, yeah. I, you know, I say this, I have a client who is a real estate agent and I keep reminding him that he's a real estate agent, which means all things real estate. It doesn't mean just condos, just purchases, you know, just buyers, just sellers. It's it's the investors. It's kind of the quirky deals that are out there now. You know, we have a lot of non-QM financing, right? Expanded mm -hmm. financing options that are out there now for, for clients as well. And um, yeah, it's, it's re-engineering this and thinking differently about it. It sounds like, you know, you're kind of dabbling in all of these things to test whatever's going to work because, you know, it's be there for when the when happens, because it's going to happen. It, it is. And we're not necessarily, we we are testing everything, but we've got our toe in, in several different ponds because I think it takes that anymore. One, because there's a lot yeah. more ponds than there were three right. five years ago. And two, because not all of the pond, there's not a single pond that is just so overly stocked. That Correct. We have to have multiple sources. And then also having multiple sources, it allows our agents to be able to kind of pick and choose which ones work better for them. Yeah. And I'm saying, hey, you don't have to go out to every single one of these. You know, you can pick your top two or three that work really well for you. Because we have some agents, you know, that'll say, oh, this particular lead source is phenomenal. This is, right. I've gotten and everything from it. Says no. one, yeah, that'll tell you it's the worst thing they've ever done. Yeah. Yeah. Perceptions, reality in that standpoint. Yeah. And I think that's it too. So for those listening, what, what advice do you give them? What counsel would you give to somebody right now? Who's, who's feeling like, you know, Hey, I I'm still fishing from a dried up pond. 
<laughs> right? And I'm complaining about it, but I'm not looking around and going, hey, there's some other options. And of course, there's shiny object syndrome versus strategic sure. approaches, right? Um, but for someone who's doing that now and they're saying, you know, I just don't know, I don't know if I can make it through this. What do you tell them? You know, I, I tell them, take take a look at your environment. The easiest way to change something is, is to change your environment. Um, and so it, sometimes that means maybe you're not, you're not in the right spot anymore. Maybe you're an independent agent who needs to consider going to a team, taking mm. a smaller split. So you and I had this conversation just 20, 30 minutes ago, where it was like hundred percent of zero um, yeah. is still zero. Yeah. And so maybe you come off of that 95, five split where you're not getting very much out of it and move to a 60, 40, or even a 50, 50, if you're going to be able to do 20, 30 transactions throughout the yeah. year. Um, because not only are you increasing your income, but you're also increasing that level of experience because. Yeah. And your database, right? Which is your annuity income, because just exactly. because you're doing one, it's not one and done. You want to do one and one and one and one and one, right? And so the more opportunities that you have out there. And I think, do you also think that, you know, this, this is a mindset as well, because it's, you've seen the commercial, a body emotion stays in motion. And I think that you know, mindset that stays in motion, you know, or that starts in motion and keeps in motion, you know, continues. And I think that that's where a lot of people are just saying, well, I'm just going to sit back and I've been calling it hibernating, right? Don't hibernate, hyper-focus. And um, a lot of people are just hibernating. I'll just wait till everything kind of goes away. Um, and, and then I'll come out and I'll merge and I'll stretch. And, and then I'll realize, oh my gosh, everybody's been working. Um, so I think, you know, keeping yourself active. So if someone is making that transition, you know, maybe they're not in the right place or doing some searching and looking at that, what, what are some, some steps that you would recommend to do now that are different from in the past? You know, in the past it was, well, I think I'll be a listing agent now. So I'm just going to start doing listings strategically. It has to be different nowadays. What would be a step that would ensure success? Well, I, I think surrounding yourself with quality, like-minded people. So I think masterminds are more important. Yay. Now. I'm glad you said that. Um, because it's, yeah. you, you need ideas from a lot of different places. So we kind of talked about all of those ponds that there's not a single pond any longer. You have to yeah. be in, in all of them. And then working through these masterminds, you're getting sometimes firsthand looks into some things and seeing, Hey, what's working for you? what's, what's working for you. And it doesn't have to specifically be in your market. You know, I, like for me, I go look at markets that are similar to ours. Mm -hmm. You know, Louisville is very similar to, um, a Raleigh, North Carolina, yeah. um, you know, a Huntsville, Alabama, things like that. So I'm looking to see who are successful agents there and what are they doing? What's, what's working for them. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, I think, I think the masterminds are very important and I think being open and willing to, to make some changes. Yeah. Um, you know, you let have go. to let go. Do you think that's part of it? It's like, what's it's that? Like, what is, what is the monkey that, that baby monk, that little monkey, you know, that, that, uh, you know, it reaches in for the peanut and once he has it in his hand, they capture him. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They capture him because he won't let go of the peanut. All he has to do is let go of the peanut. Right. And so sometimes that's what happens is that we're, we're so attached to a methodology or, a strategy that we've used for years and years that worked, it's time to let it go and well, look for fine balance, right? Of spider monkey. Yeah. We want to, we, we want to feel like we, we persevere and we continue mm -hmm. to drive and we don't quit. 
And that's an area where I really had to sit back and kind of analyze myself going back to the, to my sports days. Like, listen, sometimes you just have to power through and you got to keep going and things are going to be tough, but you got to put your head down and go. That doesn't always work in, in this market. Sometimes you need to reevaluate and say, okay, I don't have to abandon this completely, but I need to look at something different. It doesn't yeah. mean that I'm quitting. Um, it doesn't mean that I'm giving up. It means that I'm shifting focus and shifting strategy. And um, and that's not, that is not failure, by the way, because no. failure is when I have, I have a picture of a battery, you know, we all have cell phones, right? When we're full, it works the same exact way as when we have 1%. Yeah. Still works. Oh, it's an amazing analogy. Amazing. Right? It still works at 1%. But if you don't recalibrate, then there's failure. And yep. everyone waits till the last minute. Panic. I only have 1% on my phone. <laughs> right? <laughs> and I, I've, I got, I've got two teenage kids. I, I know exactly what yeah. that's <laughs> Right. Yeah, it's the exact same thing. And so it's knowing when to ask for help. And I love that you're talking about masterminds because I lead masterminds. I'm in masterminds. And, and what people don't understand about masterminds is that when two minds get together, a third mind is created because of the collaboration between the two. And so when you have eight or 10 people, you have multiple master minds that can help you bend time and get you to where you need to go faster. And you can't see your own ears a lot of times. And that's what a mastermind does is they see your ears and they can see exactly. And it's funny because they may have the same issue or a similar issue, you know, and they can't see their own ears either. So it's just a, it's just an amazing analogy. Um, so as we finish up here, tell us a little bit about your book. So I've actually written four. Okay. Um, you know, it's uh, my my most recent two, uh, which I, I I love absolutely the most. They are they are complete eBooks, but they are all about. I've got one. I, I've been in a in a phase the last year and a half of really trying to normalize mistakes. Like you see Instagram and everybody's just kind of living this highlight reel. Yeah. And I'm really trying to normalize the mistakes that I've made and help people learn from that. And so I wrote a book all about the ten mistakes that I made first getting into real estate investing. Right. Um, and then the second is all about the six mistakes that I see agents making as they're new in the business. And right. how do we help them shorten and flatten that learning curve? Because, you know, if if 90% of agents are gone five years into the business, how do we get you to five years in one day to where your success is virtually yeah. gained? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so it's really just trying to eliminate some of those big costly mistakes to make sure that you can stick around. Yeah, beautiful. And I know we can we we have the links for that. So we'll have them here in the show notes so that everybody can get them. I actually printed the six mistakes that realtors um that real estate agents make. I haven't read it yet, but I printed it. Um because well, I was doing some your expectations low. Um <laughs> And I tell people too, like if, if you're part of the grammar police or sentence structure, paragraph structure, you'll probably go to the wrong, you're in the wrong spot. <laughs> right. I write like right. I talk. It's just, yeah. I, I, yeah. I'm not an English major. So it, yeah, uh, I do the same thing. I do the same thing. I, you know, I'm a, I'm, I think right. my 19th book will be released here in May sometime. And, and uh, you know, and, and it's the same thing every time I, I write exactly as I speak and it's amazing. Um, okay. So last question for you today is what are you reading right now? That's inspiring you or what is this? Um, a, not, I don't want to say a strategy, but a habit that you're creating that keeps you going, uh, you know, to continue to keep that level of energy up. Um, so for me, uh, just actually just finished uh shoe dog, uh, which I read, mm -hmm. uh, about once a year. 
uh, which I think I, I look at Nike and how they should have been bankrupt 47 times. Right. And then they they just continued to, to persevere. And the other thing, I, I heard a quote by Kevin Bacon recently. Uh, you know, Kevin Bacon, if you think about it, he's he's been in, in Hollywood as a mainstay for 40 years. Like four, Footloose came out in 82. Yeah. Um, and so it was, they asked him, they said, what's the secret to longevity? And he thought about it for a second. And he said, there is no secret to longevity. Longevity is the secret. Mm. Sometimes you Ooh. just have to, you just got to keep going. If you got to keep going about it. Just keep so, swimming. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just going back for me. It's re reaffirming my priorities and my passions and just sticking with it. And that's how I guide my decisions on a day-to-day basis. Am I moving towards my passions? Am I, am I congruent with my values? Um, and like I said, that's, and then just making sure that I, I persevere through that. I love that. Okay. Repeat it one more time for, for those listening. There is no secret to longevity. Longevity is the secret. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. Well, Luke, it's been wonderful having this conversation with you. Thank you for taking taking so much of your time. We almost we almost hit an hour with this show. I try to keep everything between thirty five and forty five, but you know there was lots of great golden nuggets there. Uh, you know, you're I can obviously see why you're so successful and brilliant, and why everyone that works with you, you know, loves working with you. And I hope that you're going to share this podcast with them so they can hear you. One hundred percent. Yeah, of course, of course, you will. And, uh, you know, just thank you for taking time out of your day to, to share with us. No, it's been a ton of fun. Thank you so, so much for what you're doing here. And thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. So everyone, thank you so much for listening again. Uh, we really, really appreciate that. Take a few minutes, just go down, scroll down on your phone, give us a five-star rating and write a review, write, write a review about what you learned from Luke and what actions you're going to be taking today and pay this forward. If you're a loan officer, Pay this forward to your realtors. Listen to it. Say, listen, I just listened to this and it's just powerful. If you're a real estate agent, pay it forward in your office. Help others and it will help you as well. So again, I say thank you so much for listening to us and we'll catch you next time on Mortgage Lending Mastery. Thanks for listening to Mortgage Lending Mastery. Be sure to subscribe to hear more sales tips, ideas, strategies, and tactics to help you with your personal and professional growth to multiply your results in record time. And if you like what we're doing, don't forget to give us a rating and review so we can continue to bring you the best content possible. Wanting more beyond the podcast? Join our Mortgage Lending Mastery membership community where you will find extended interviews with our favorite guests, weekly training, tips, and insider secrets, fireside chats with Jen, free content, meet, share, and collaborate with other members, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more about this exclusive content. Mortgage Lending Mastery is an industry syndicate charter podcast. Industry Syndicate is the first podcast network specifically for the mortgage and real estate industries. Get the Industry Syndicate app in the App Store or Google Play today.